Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. I'm so excited to tell you all about a new project that I'm starting. It's called The 13th Hour. It's going to be a new weekly talk show all about Disneyland that I'll be live streaming at the 13th hour of each Friday. That's 1 p.m. in case you don't know. The 13th stroke of a clock is a phrase saying that the previous events or the previous strokes of the clock must be called into question. So each and every Friday, we're going to get together and look back at all the Disney news in that week that I just couldn't fit in and make a video about because I want to talk about it with you. And most importantly, I want to hear your thoughts on what's happening inside the world of Disneyland. Give me a little bit of time to figure out the format, but I hope that this will become a club 1313 perk where you as a member of the 1313 club, you will have the opportunity to actually be my co-host. I'm not just talking about in the chat. I'm talking about in the video, hanging out and talking to me as my actual co-host. And as a member of club 1313, you'll also get the exclusive podcast version of each week's 13th hour. I'm so excited to have a place where I can hang out with you each week and look back at all the different news that has happened inside the world of Disneyland. I'm so excited about the 13th hour Fridays at 1 p.m. Disneyland time. And I'm very excited to really show what a Disneyland live stream can feel like and how we can make a talk show where you are actually, I'm serious, actually going to be my co-host. Just give me a couple of weeks to get it all sorted out. But this will be an amazing perk of being a member of Club 1313, which will happen at episode 55. So if you have the time and you're around this Friday at the 13th hour, 1 p.m. Disneyland time, make sure to head over to YouTube Adventures in Design and hang out with me for the hour or catch it on the replay. And soon, make sure to become a member of Club 1313 where you can be my co-host and catch it on a podcast if that's more convenient for you each and every week. Yeah, that's right. Become a member of Club 1313. Not only are you going to get the full version of Disneyland for Designers, but I'm also throwing in a secondary podcast, which will allow Disneyland for Designers to kind of go on back to being more about the design and the construction of Disneyland and the 13th hour to be more of a discussion of that week in news events and where it's all going from here. And hey, there's a lot of places where it can go from here. So make sure you catch the 13th hour, which will be premiering this Friday, Adventures in Design on YouTube at the 13th hour. That's 1 p.m. Disneyland time this Friday. Let's get started with a fun look back at 20 things learned from 2020 and being a Disneyland fan right after this message from our sponsor. Hey friends, our friends, Jack Prince has a new website for 2021. You'll be able to find all the best ways to create custom printing with your or your client's artwork on it, but in an easier way to search through the many departments of business cards, custom apparel, custom stickers, pocket notebooks, greeting cards, and paper printing for a single poster design all the way up to an entire graphic novel or magazine. Visit jackprince.com today to create an account. And when you're ready to create that order, head over to jackprince.com slash circle of trust. Your attention, please. The Disneyland Limited now leaving for a grand circle tour of the Magic Kingdom with stops at New Orleans Square, Mickey's Toontown, and Tomorrowland. All passengers boot. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland, and welcome to the third season of Disneyland for Designers, a podcast that started out being once a month, and now it just feels like once a week is where it belongs. And as we're kicking off our third season and another calendar year, it's a good time to look back on 2020 and look at 20 things I learned about Disneyland and being a Disneyland fan during 2020, which I don't have to tell you was arguably the worst year in the park's history, but a good year to come together as a community of fans. And these are the things that I learned. These are my takeaways from the last year of Disney that was the weirdest year ever. Number 20. The Splash Mountain Debate. I'll just get this one out of the way real quick because it's my least favorite thing on the list, but it was a huge takeaway. The Splash Mountain Debate really, really kind of threw me. See, I would think that if you go to Disneyland and you're a hardcore Disneylander, that you believe in the magic of Disney. And part of the magic of Disney is the community that goes to the park, like everybody there having fun together. So therefore, to me, if there's something in the park that is offensive to some folks, you should be cool with it going away or at least be understanding. But to me, this has shown that a lot of people that really, really love Disney have a complete lack of empathy. 
See, this whole attitude of like, well, if it doesn't bother me, then I'm cool with it. But that's not a very Disney attitude. It should be where if there's a handful of folks that feel bad about something, that's a good enough reason to make a change, even if it doesn't directly affect me and my feelings. Now, I know you can't go through the park and change every little item for one individual, but we're not talking about one single individual. We're talking about a large amount of people that could go to Splash Mountain and just feel offended. And if Disneyland is supposed to be the happiest place on earth, this great place of inclusion where we can all have fun, we all can have fun. So this whole, it doesn't bother me. And there's a lot of other content creators that are really complaining about the changeover Splash Mountain, which really makes me wonder, who are you making content for? Number 19, Downtown Disney means more to all of us than we ever knew. Downtown Disney has become this hero that none of us knew existed. It'll turn 20 years old next month. And it was always this thing. And we've talked about this before in the show. You used to just breeze through downtown Disney to get to where you want to go. But now being forced to stop and smell the flowers, downtown Disney means a lot to us, like way more than we ever knew. And this summer, when I got to go to downtown Disney, when it very first opened up for the, the, the cast member preview, thank you very much, Philander. I was just blown away at how Disneyland downtown Disney felt, especially after having none of this in your life for a few months. I remember getting out to the car that night and just feeling that stoke, right? Just feeling that energy that is spending a day out at the park, even though technically I never really went into the park. And as I'm recording this, it's Tuesday, which is my regular lap that I take around the park. And even though I'm not really getting into the parks, I'm just loving going to downtown Disney. And many of you did too, because on the weekends or late at night, there was a big snaking line out in the parking lot of people waiting to get inside just to get something that feels like normal, a little hit of the magic. Number 18, even in a pandemic, Disneyland remains a happy place. Which perfectly leads me into my 18th takeaway from 2020. Even during a pandemic, Disneyland remains a happy place. Now I'm going to not going to say happiest place on earth because I really think that that is something that we say for when all systems are firing, but it does remain a very, very happy place. And in these bizarro times, because it's private property and all of the rules of the day are properly enforced, I often leave Disneyland wishing that the rest of my life felt that way. I went to Fashion Island Mall this past weekend on New Year's Day just to get out of the house and do something. And I immediately was like, I've made a huge mistake. I want to go to downtown Disney because everyone here is just kind of doing whatever they feel like. And once I'm on property at the Disneyland Resort, everybody is living by the same set of rules. And there's a comfort in that, knowing that my discomfort of having this mask on the face is your discomfort of having the mask on your face. And then when I'm in Target and the lady in front of me just feels like she doesn't have to wear one, it just makes everybody else so aggravated. It's like, why do you think you're better than us? What makes you so special that you don't have to live by these rules? And P.S., we're going to be stuck here forever if we don't learn how to get along and move forward together. So, yeah, going into Disneyland, even during a pandemic, it does feel happy. Not happiest place on Earth, but about as happy as you can get right now in public on Earth. Number 17, I never knew I would miss Disneyland more than I would have guessed. Of course, we all knew that if I were to tell you at the end of 2019, hey, the park's going to close, do you think that you would miss it? Of course, the answer would be yes. But it's so much more of a missing the park than I could have ever imagined. And in bizarre ways, right? Like there's just this thing where you used to just know that it was happening and people were there having fun, even though you couldn't go there. I mean, I'm no stranger to sitting on the toilet at my house and just looking at ride times just to see what the vibe is down at the park. But having it gone, just completely vanish and disappear, man, it was so much more painful than what I would even have imagined because I would get into this weird zone where it'd be like a beautiful weather Friday, right? Just an awesome Friday, unseasonably cool, maybe a little bit warm, but just the perfect weather. And I'd just be like, man, it is killing me right now that this Friday with this weather at this time of the year. I know for sure I would be there with my friends taking a lap and also just not having trips on the calendar. 
One of the best things about living in Southern California is all your friends come to visit you. So whether it's my friend coming from England or Canada or out on the East Coast, like you just always knew, well, that's DesignerCon weekend and I'll be giving the Brickyland tour on that Monday and I'll have like, you know, a dozen artists following me around and I'll show Brian Ewing the magic of Disneyland for the first time. Like there just was no Disney on the calendar, no plans, nada. And being a social person and somebody that likes to stay busy, it was like, whoa, what is this? I, I didn't imagine that this part of no Disneyland would hit me the way that it has. And often the times that I have cried and I've cried almost daily during the pandemic, it was just because of this, just no fun on the horizon, no dates in the calendar. And just those little odd moments where you just go, wow, this would be a great time to go. Oh, there's no Disneyland. And now I feel completely sad. And also not hearing the fireworks from my house every night at nine 30. I always had this thing of, yeah, Mickey's going hard tonight for somebody. And, uh, Mickey, I hope you've enjoyed this long vacation, but oh, we're going to get you back to work soon. Number 16, Disneyland symbolizes the changing of the seasons in Southern California. And piggybacking on number 17, Disneyland symbolizes the seasons when you're a local, right? Like you now, because our weather kind of stays the same, you now know that it's October when the bunting goes from red, white, and blue to all the oranges and browns and yellows, right? Going to Disneyland is kind of a mood ring of where we're at in the season. Cause for the most part, other than May gray and June gloom, we kind of just keep it rock steady, but it's the ritual of the holidays, right? Like, I mean, there's the fun of it's quiet in January. Then all the flowers come out around Easter time. Then it's a little bit mellow in the spring. Then it goes full on red, white, and blue until the oranges come out for Halloween. And then, you know, it's the most magical time of year, which is the holiday season at the Disneyland resort. Part of really, really missing the park was missing the ritual of the changings of the seasons. Like these are things that we all have been used to. Jack Skellington being the very first person to say happy holidays to you, getting to see the new year for the first time ever, illuminated in lights inside of it's a small world holiday. Like there are these rituals like my candy cane dipped waffle cone with the peppermint ice cream in it, peppermint beignets. I mean, these are just seasons that make us feel like we've made it through another year on planet Earth. Taking out the ritual of the seasons took out a big part of all of our lives and what sort of makes each passing season feel normal. And the celebration was gone. So, yeah, uh, I think when the park closed, we all kept going, but it'll it'll be open for Fourth of July. No, no, it, it, don't worry. It'll be open for Halloween. No, 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 no. It, it will will stand in front of that Christmas tree. No, we didn't, and we all missed it. Number 15, food and beverage is a much stronger part of the magic than I ever knew. And don't worry, this isn't all like things that didn't happen because it does go positive, but these are in order, right? And food and beverage, I'd never really thought about how much of a part of the fabric of the park's culture that it is. Like, ignore the pleasure of actually stopping and eating a beignet, regardless of the season, or, or ignore right now the selfishness and just sitting on a bench and having a delicious Trenta cold brew, iced coffee, extra ice, light splash of whole milk, and just watching main street go by. Like ignore when you're the one who's eating and drinking. I never really thought about seeing others waiting in line and sitting around dining. It makes this little train village called Disneyland feel so much more real. It's very relaxing to see others partake in leisure you get a very bizarre contact buzz on seeing other people have a good time. And even though it's not your turn to have that delicious fried chicken at the Plaza Inn, walking by and seeing the family do it, it just makes you feel warm inside. When the food and beverage got taken away from DCA and downtown Disney, I'm like, oh my God, the bizarreness just keeps on going up another level. So yeah, I never really realized how important it was just to see others eating and drinking all around Disneyland. Number 14, I miss that constant drip of news that makes it fun to be a fan. It's a very strange one that you start to realize that part of what you love about the park is what I refer to as the Sim City factor, right? Like it's always building, it's always morphing into something else, you know, and being a real hardcore Disneyland fan and being a local, you just get excited to see like, oh, the scrims have come down now on this building. What's the new paint job look like? Or What's this little project that's happening on the backside of It's a Small World? Like, the constant drip of new news 
just makes it fun to be a fan, right? Like you're just living your day and you know, you're not even going to go out to the park maybe this week or this month, but you just always get these little updates, right? Like, Oh, they're doing this now, or, Oh, this is coming in six weeks, or that's the date for the new thing. That's going to release just that constant little drip of magic just made it so fun to be a fan. And that's one of those things that once it's completely put on pause or the constant drip just goes from always something exciting and new to look forward to, to like kind of bad to worse to horrible news. It just really makes you realize how much fun it was to be a fan in a normal setting where you're constantly just getting that little drip of goodness. Like, Oh yeah, there's going to be fun stuff to check out the next time I get to go to the park. Number 13, a lot of content creators were quick to move on from Disneyland. Now forgive me on this one. This may be a bit of a professional critique, but this is my list of 20 things that I'm taking away from being a Disneyland fan in 2020 and being a fan of Disneyland. I consume a lot of YouTube content about Disneyland and I was very shocked to see how many other creators just were quick to move on. Like, Oh, my whole brand is Disneyland. Oh, I'm out of here, bro. I'm going to go over to the next theme park. Did I tell you about how sick Knott's Berry Farms is? Like I was just kind of blown away. It's like, no man, people come here for you to, to, to keep the magic alive for them. Uh, you're just kind of like abandoning the ship because it's now getting hard. I, I don't know about you, but I know as me, as a consumer of Disneyland content, there's a couple of channels, a couple of people. I'm like, Oh, so were you ever really into this? Or were you just a friend when it was convenient to be a friend because you really turned your back on the resort or your messaging when it all got difficult and it got hard and you build a community of people that were all envious of your extra time, your access and your ability to own a camera and go to the resort. But how are you serving that community now? So for me as a fan, I was very shocked how many content creators were like, and this just got difficult. I'm going to go do something else. Number 12, by default, I will remain the king of Christmas. But parlaying off of number 13 into my number 12 here, because uh, the park's not fully operational, all of the creativity that I've brought to my channel, because the whole reason why I started making content is I felt like there was room to kind of tell the Disneyland story in a different way and create new adventures and just sort of really live inside of the park as if it's a set for all these fun adventures to go on. So, uh, yeah, without there being a full holiday season, I will hold on to my title another year as the King of Christmas. And if you don't know what that means, at the beginning of 2020, yours truly was the very last guest to leave the holiday season. I went on the last night of Christmas I found my place in the park. I abided by the rules, but I played the game fairly. And I was the last guest to stroll out, leaving me to be the king of Christmas at Disneyland. And I told the cast members, thank you so much for another amazing year. You guys always outdo yourself on behalf of all the fans. Thank you for what you do. So yeah, I will remain the king of Christmas. Number 11, by default, I will remain the champion for another year. And by default, I will also remain the champion with no trams running. There's no way anybody can beat my record of 116 laps in one day. And I, I know I'm being funny about this, but these are the things that I wanted to do with my YouTube channel, my YouTube community. I wanted to make these moments where it's just like, you never really thought about being the last person to leave Christmas. or you never really thought about just riding the tram all day. How much fun could that possibly be? So in these weird times, I've really tried to pivot to keep making original content, but I'm going to hold on to my two titles because that is the type of content I want to do. I enjoy doing that stuff. And, uh, I'm really trying to do what I said over on my personal Instagram the other day. I'm trying to use this moment to not see any obstacles, but just opportunities, different ways to tell the Disneyland story. So with some of the new content that I've started making over on YouTube, like the weekly park trips and the perimeter series that I'm doing. Like I want to document everything I can about this moment because it will be so bizarre in the future. And I'll be happy that I didn't give up on the resort and I kept going and I kept documenting it and slowly documenting it, whichever way it goes to a, to a more restrictive closure or to slowly step-by-step step getting back to reopening. Like this is a golden opportunity and I'm so happy to do it and to share it with you. 
and that you obviously uh, like my style of storytelling and you keep consuming the content and keep going on this journey with me. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is I will hold these titles on behalf of you, the people. I'm just being funny. Number 10, I have more respect for cast members than ever. And speaking of the people, as we get into our top 10, I think we all now have way more respect for cast members than we ever did. And not that we disrespect them in the past, but it's just 2020 has been a great moment to really stop and smell the roses and understand how things really work, what people's roles in this world truly are. And the cast members, man, I mean, this is just such a thankless job that, that so many people take because they don't get paid like amazingly well. I mean, it's not a job that you take and you retire from. I mean, it's seen more as like a transitional job from high school or college or maybe, you know, a retirement type job. So the people that do take this job on, you know, I'm sure they like being employed and making money as part of any job, but there's also that second reason why they do it is because they love the magic and want to keep it alive. And to see these folks hit harder than anyone, it's just a reminder that bad times are always unfair to, to the top, to the bottom. Like it's always the people um, that are the most innocent that always get brutalized in any sort of turn of events. So, so many of us are really feeling for these cast members and really thinking about all the magic moments that they've created. And uh, I also have a heavy heart for all the cast members that are going there today to work. I mean, they're dressed like they're going into battle. And these are people that signed up to have a job that was surrounded around people having good times and fun times. And now they're just the police to remind people that uh newsflash fun fact, a little anatomy, fun fact, your nose is part of your face and your mask is supposed to stay over your nose and over your mouth. And so it's just a job that these people used to have where it was just every day was excitement. Every day was a challenge and every day had fun and special moments. I'm sure right now, just standing around on main street and babysitting people, it's, it's not what they signed up for. And, uh, I think so many of us really are understanding just what their whole piece in the Disneyland puzzle is. And, you know, I've, I've really come to think that, you know, Disney can build the park, they can build the backdrop, but if we really do think of it as a show and we're stepping on stage, the cast members are the ones that deliver the magic day in and day out. So. I know some of you folks are cast members and from the very, very bottom of my heart, I just, I want to thank you for all the great Disney memories you've given me in the past. I want to tell you that I'm rooting for you in this moment of pause and I just cannot wait to see you get back to work and uh, just so much admiration for, for all of you. So from the bottom of my heart, from everyone who's listening, who's not a cast member to those of you that are listening that are cast members, Hey, thank you for your service. You don't hear it enough. Number nine, magic happens, makes magic happen on the sidewalks and streets of Disneyland. Believe it or not, Disneyland was open for 75 days this year. And one of the things that I got to witness was the grand opening of the magic happens parade, which will replace Mickey sound sensational. And Hey, talking about cast members. What about these folks that all just got revved up and started performing this amazing uh, show that goes up and down the, the parade route in Disneyland and then done, right? Like it didn't really even get a chance to get going and really sort of find its footing and get all the kinks sorted out. But I will say this inclusion at Disneyland has now gone almost exactly 360 degrees from when the park very first opened. Remember, in 1955, the park opened with Indians, not Native Americans. Then they were Indians, a term that we're not supposed to use today. But I'm using it for a very specific reason, because then it was Indians, Indian Village. Here's Chief Whoever doing their dance. Like They were trying to be inclusive. They just didn't realize that they were doing it 1955 style, which it was a whole different world back then as far as the way we treated all of our fellow citizens. So they were trying to bring in other cultures. They just weren't doing it necessarily in the proper way. Now, along the 65 years that the park has been open, it has cleaned up a lot of its inclusion. And a lot of the rough attempts of bringing in other cultures have been slowly faded out. But Magic Happens shows that this circle, this voyage of starting out and, hey, we want to include people, but we're doing it kind of in a rough way because it's a whole different world. But now, as we get into 
2020, you're starting to see a very great attempt at including all people that go to the park. So I have to say that Magic Happens shows that this circle is very, very close to being complete. And it also shows that Disney's core principles are to make sure everybody feels included in the magic. So I say the magic happens that has an amazing opening and final number that I would love to hear loud as hell right now on main street. I love this parade so much because it's a parade that is a mirror to the sidewalks of main street USA. Finally, all the different folks that make Disneyland what it is, the fabric of culture of so many different people from so many different demographics and so many different beliefs, they can now be on the street and see a float, see a character, see a dance group that represents them. And to me, Magic Happens was just such an amazing moment to see this place that I love so much become such a part of this moment where we're trying to make a, a culture, we're trying to make a content where everybody feels that they are represented. And I didn't understand this when I first started podcasting. I didn't understand why if you're an Asian designer, why do you need to see another Asian designer, you know, sort of do it first so that you realize that you can do it. I'm like, Hey, everybody wants everybody to do stuff, but I have had it broken down to me by people that just needed to see that one role model. And actually had a friend of mine say, Hey, who was your favorite skateboarder growing up? I said, well, easy. It was Mike Vallely. And he said, well, why was Mike Vallely your favorite pro skateboarder? And I said, well, because he's like me. He's not a guy from California. He's from Virginia. He's from the suburbs. He just skates whatever that he has. And he has an attitude because he's just wasn't born in a place that had like, you know, a, a, a concrete bowl in his backyard and his buddy had a half pipe. Like he had to work for it. And my friend said, that's inclusion, man. That is seeing someone that tells you that someone like you can do it. And I had to have that explained out to me to be like, Oh, I totally get it now. I totally understand. So my point of this is that magic happens. will give uh, a young boy that I saw at the Disneyland resort. It was a young boy wearing a princess dress waiting in line to do star tours. And I looked at that, that kid and I'm like, it's amazing that he feels comfortable doing this here. It's amazing that his parents are uh, fully like, hey, this is what you want to do. You're going to do it, and you're our, our kid, and we're, we're stoked to take you to Disneyland. Do what you want. But that kid can now watch this parade and see something in there that gives him a hope that this is a path to keep on going on, and he'll sort it out. He'll figure it out, and the world is ready to celebrate it with him, and Disneyland is his friend on whatever path he, she, they choose in this world. Magic happens. It was a huge, huge victory, I believe, in the story of Disneyland and just sort of rounding the wagon, if you will, on getting that inclusion right after just 60-something years. <laughs> Number eight, Disneyland does know what the words sale and discount means. You know, this past year, we saw a lot of things happen at the Disneyland Resort that we thought would never be possible. Like, until this year... The resort had only ever been closed three unexpected days for us now to be very close to a one-year anniversary of the park being closed. So seeing so many normalcies just completely go out the window, I was as shocked as you when I realized that Disneyland does know what the word sell means and what the word discount means. And they also know that if 30% isn't enough off, you move to 50%, and if 50% doesn't move the inventory, then you go to 70%. And Disneyland getting aggressive with sales during the holiday season was like, whoa, whoa. Because we'd often talked about you never see anything on sale at Disneyland. And this was the year that they had a sale. But let's look at this from a business perspective. Merchandise is typically designed 12, 18, 24 months out. So you design your season you then place your orders, you get all your overseas manufacturing going, you you work around Chinese New Year, and then all of a sudden a pandemic hits and you've already placed orders and there's probably a warehouse somewhere in Fullerton that you can't fit another spider bot in because they were thinking they were going to sell spider bots like, you know, a few hundred every day once Avengers Campus opened up and holiday merch. 2019's holiday season was Epic. I mean, park full of people, everybody buying the merch. 
they probably ordered so much of it. So to see Disneyland liquidate items, um, it's kind of interesting. It just makes it all feel like a little bit more real, like they're not as bulletproof as they have always been. But from a designer and from a business mindset, you're just like, wow, how much inventory are they sitting on? And my question for you is, this will be something that we will track over on the YouTube channel where I kind of look at the, this stuff a little bit more uh, in detail. When will the great bottleneck happen, right? Like back in March when the park closed, they didn't know how long it was going to be closed for. So they probably were business as usual till April, May. But then when they weren't able to reopen for that July 17th, where does the bottleneck of merchandise happen? Like at what point did they stop designing, stop ordering, or really cut back on, well, typically for Halloween, we would do 30,000 pieces of the spirit jersey. Let's go down to 5,000 pieces and do three designs instead of six. Like, When do we get to that bottleneck of the pandemic catching up with the productivity and production of the Disney merch line? Like, I'm fascinated to see where this happens because also to add in another bizarro factor, merchandise is the only thing that's running the park right now. But if you manufacture so much of it, you have to go down to 70% off. Then you're basically kind of getting back to, you know, you're not going to make Keystone plus two. You're just going to get a little bit over your cost. And they make things in huge quantities overseas. So I'm sure when they sell you something for $70, it costs them seven. But this is a fascinating part of where we're at right now. And I'm very curious to see where does the bottleneck pop up? Or do they just keep rolling because merchandise is carrying the park right now? See, this is this this is just the type of like designer love of the park that I have that I just get fascinated on. And uh, if you watch the YouTube channel, you'll see that these are the things that I can really like dive into for a solid 10, 15 minutes in a video. Number seven, I realize my annual pass is my favorite thing that I own. Once we started to see, I believe it was Japan. Sorry, I've never been to any of the three Asian properties, so they kind of all blend together. I mean, I kind of have a really good vibe on Shanghai because it's the newest one, but I get a little confused on Hong Kong and Japan, but I believe it was Japan or maybe was it Hong Kong? Ah! One of those parks put a pause on their annual passes and stopped selling them, and then that rippled over to here in Southern California where we were all like, oh, our annual passes, like, is that going to be a thing of the past? And when I did a video about that and I started contemplating like, well, will they need annual passes in the future? I mean, they haven't stopped selling them at Disney world, but that's sort of a whole different animal. Like what, what will the future of the AP program be? And like everything, you know, you, you, you don't really know how much your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend meant to you until you saw them out at the bar with another guy or girl, right? Like there's this kind of thing when you lose something, you're like, oh, I really, really loved them. I made a big mistake breaking up. And so the annual pass, oh, I'm not breaking up on you, baby, because I've come to realize in 2020, you are my favorite thing that I own. I started to think of it more as not a, well, like a credit card that, fits in my wallet, but a key that I own that 365 days a year, signature plus, rah, 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 it's a key that I own that allows me to open up Disneyland and to let myself in. And when I started contemplating not having that and knowing that the park was open and I'm cool with like, you know, the first hundred days, it's like a reservation system. Like I'm cool with paying for days that I can't get into. Like I just, I want it all just to kind of work out and I'm going to have a lot of patience and understanding, but I just really, really hope that the AP stays alive because it is such an important part of me and my lifestyle. And, and, and it's the gift that I give myself at the end of every year. Like, Hey, you worked really, really hard. You've built your business. This is a $1,400 that you give to yourself and you never, ever feel guilty about because you know, you're going to make back way more than $1,400 in happiness. Number six, Buena Vista Street is almost an exact remake of Main Street, USA. Okay, 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 okay. So before you say, duh, Bricky, are you just catching up with us? I understand. You know, I know when they remade Disney's California Adventure to make it more appealing, to make it feel more Disney, 
I understood that they went across the Asperanda and they figured out what are ways that we can make this feel more like Disneyland. But now the Buena Vista Street has become my new home and I'm hanging out there like every week and, and putting in more hours and BVS than I ever have. I've really come to realize how it's an exact remake of Main Street. Now, the layout is different. So they're trying to fool you a little bit by making it a different layout. So it's not a one-to-one like cover song, but it is the same. Like all of the same pieces are in the exact same place. They've just, you know, finessed it a little bit to make it feel different. So just a quick list and this list could go on much further, but it is four blocks divided by a fictional crossroad. Over on Main Street, you have, what is it, West Street that, that goes through, or Center Street that goes through Main Street that kind of divides it up, even though it's like a little false dead end, bathrooms to to the west, uh, the, the great lockers and the brick pattern wall over to the east. But here we have the baby Hyperion Bridge that adds that visual block so that it doesn't look like just one long block. The baby Hyperion Bridge that the monorail uses visually divides it up so you feel like you're looking at four blocks. When you first come in over to your left, there's information. It's not a, a city hall, but it is, what do they call it? The, uh, oh man, why did I not have that written out in front of me? You know what I'm talking about? The guest relations, chamber of commerce, whatever they call it over there, but they have information for you over to the left. And then over to the right, you have bathrooms right when you come in. So you can rip that first bathroom and then get going on. It ends with a statue of Walt, but although to keep it different, this one's over to the side. It's Walt on ground level, street level, approachable Walt and Mickey back before they made something of themselves in society, put them up on a pedestal as they are across the way over in Disneyland. It also flanks out at the end, right? Like, so you have a street that goes out at the end. Sure. It's not the Plaza Inn and the Holly Jolly over on the other side or Jolly Holly, whatever it is. But you do have it, it flanks out. You have a little bit of an open plaza area, much, much smaller, but the same sort of idea. And not only does it have railroad tracks going down the street, but it has an endpoint, which is Carthay Circle, which I believe Carthay Circle, actually, believe it or not, is actually taller than Sleeping Beauty's Castle. But Sleeping Beauty's Castle is on a mound of dirt and just the way that they use a more intense force perspective, it feels so much more grandiose because it is a much longer thoroughfare. And it has so many things that are building that story. I've always said that I feel like Buena Vista Street is like one block short of perfection. It's just a little short and squatty. But as I've really come to spend a lot of time in there, I've realized it is a Zach replication of Main Street USA, just with enough little things bended around. So you can't exactly tell that it's that gimmick as artists we love. Draw half, flip it over. Now you have a complete drawing. Number five, I get to travel back to the 80s and realize Videopolis was fantastic. All right, now we're in our top five and uh, it's going to get a little bit more emotional. But something that's not too heavy is, as I said earlier, Disneyland was open 75 days. I made the most of it. And by doing that, I got to go out to the 80s night. And even though overall 80s night was pretty uh pretty weak it was like kind of very afterthought the theming was kind of spread out like it just kind of never really felt like it got into full-on party mode not exactly sure why that was but the 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 best part about 80s night was they brought back to life videopolis and as you may have heard on the podcast like i'm not originally from out here so there's so many things that I learned as being a student of Disneyland from the, the history books versus own life experiences. So to see them bring back Videopolis at the Fantasyland Theater, it felt phenomenal to see this thing that I'd always been very curious about and wondered, like, man, just imagine being a teenager in Southern California and your like club that you go to and like dance and hang out in is Disneyland. And I just, I don't know. I, I just was really kind of obsessed because that sort of nightlife at the park doesn't really happen anymore. They don't do date and night at Disneyland. Uh, you know, they have bands play over in Tomorrowland, but that sort of that part of the park has kind of gone away as we've become a more busier society. So to get to step foot inside of Videopolis, to get to see it come back to life, to get to walk back into yesterland, if you will, it was so phenomenal. 
And I, I know that they've gotten rid of, of Mickey and the Magical Map, which was, you know, an okay show. But if the Fantasyland Theater is going to stay around for a while, if they're looking for a very affordable, quick fix to get the good times back in the park, this would be an affordable way to do something special that doesn't cost an insane amount of money just to set up that stage and, and play the music. Because really, it's up to us to kind of put on the show, right? Like so much of what you do at Disneyland is, is watching the cast members perform. But having a big dance floor and, and the cool music and the way that they put it all together, like Videopolis as a, you know, special event every now and again, something like that would would be fun. And for me, as somebody who I'm not going to say I feel robbed, but I just feel like there's so many parts of the Disneyland story that I never got to experience. It was really great to get to go into a time machine and, and go back into the past and see this thing come to life in front of me. It was definitely one of my most cherished memories of 2020 of being inside the park. And yeah, I was, I was inside the park in 2020, like a lot, like I was going hard for a while. Number four, Disneyland was created by imagination and our imaginations keep it alive. I know this one can be a little abstract, but to me as a Disneyland content creator, and as somebody who really, really loves the park and as somebody who worked for the park for a short amount of time for the Wonderground Gallery as an illustrator, like imagination is a big part of my life. And maybe it comes from having a less than desirable childhood, or maybe it just comes from being a product of the 70s and 80s when there just wasn't as much content and, and toys and things to do. Like our video game systems showed up later in my childhood and they weren't overly exciting. And, you know, cartoons were only on like four hours on Saturday and you got a little bit in the afternoon slots, but maybe it's just coming from a time with less media, which gave you more time inside your imagination to, to flex on that muscle. Or maybe it's because I've been a professional creative for now, uh, 30 years, 20 years. And, um, maybe I've just flexed the muscle of imagination, but to me, this thing, Disneyland, one of the things I love about it is its approach to problem solving. Like I specifically love Disneyland over Disney world because it is so much smaller because it is embedded inside of a major metropolis area. I love the problem solving of Disneyland and I love how everything is so tight on this little short piece of land. Like it's the ultimate in playing a very difficult game of Sim city where you're always running out of land. You always have more people coming in. And I just have enjoyed the way the Imagineers and the cast members have responded to this thing evolving into something so much bigger than what even Walt Disney himself could have imagined. So for me, this place that is founded on an imagination, it has been imagination that has been able to keep the park alive. And I don't want to toot my own horn, but honk, I, I feel like I have tried very, very hard to take the imagination that built Disneyland and to apply that to keeping its memories still alive. And I'm now not going to do what I want to do and talk poorly about other creators. But for me personally, it has been an interesting challenge to try to figure out what's within my skill set, what can I do, and how does it make other people feel? Because some attempts at this have fallen flat because it's just too abstract or it's too far away. So I found that when keeping the imagination of Disneyland open, it works best when it's grounded in some sort of reality, something that feels familiar. And it has been a very interesting challenge this last year to try to figure out how to keep that imagination of Disney alive and how to keep people feeling like they remember the good times. They know the good times will happen again. And uh, I know this one is a little bit abstract, but when I was making this list, I just jotted down all of my feelings and what I do when I make a countdown is I just get everything out. I get all my pieces. I know that I need 20 pieces and then I sort of sort them, you know, is this better than this? Is this stronger than that? And for me, this is definitely a top five thing that I learned from being somebody who started out 2020 saying, I want to go hard in this year on telling the Disneyland story. And then all of a sudden the story paused. And I paused for a moment to try to figure out where we're at. But then I realized that I had to unpause because this moment that we're living through is going to be one of the greatest chapters in the Disneyland story. A year without Disneyland. That is going to happen. That is something we should get familiar with. It's very, very, very 
strong possibility that my prediction back in August, like the 65th year of Disneyland may never have one guest walk through its gates. That's starting to look like a very strong reality, but not getting on the bum out train, getting over on the positivity train. I have learned a lot from you by taking lots of different tests, lots of different challenges, and just seeing where is that comfort zone of where reality meets imagination, where there's a familiarity, where taking people on this journey makes people happy. And I've also learned that a lot of things that worked last year in 2019, going back the year before this countdown, they just don't work right now. There's just some things that people just don't want to hear about. So for me, really honing in that this park was created by imagination and our imaginations can keep it alive. That has been a huge, huge lesson that I've learned professionally. And as someone who, who fancies themselves as a teller of the Disneyland story, it might be emotionally for me, professionally, my biggest takeaway of the year. Number three, in no way did Rise of the Resistance disappoint. Yes, this one is huge. Rise of the Resistance in no way did it disappoint? And, and as somebody who really, really loves the park and really follows a lot of other Disneyland content, I kind of had an idea, right? You, you kind of, even if you tried to avoid Rise of the Resistance, and I won't give any spoilers away, you had an idea of kind of what you were getting into, right? Like there was just, you know, you kind of knew some things. Like everybody knows because they've put ads out. Like you knew there were going to be at ats or ATATs inside of there, but you, you, you don't know when that's going to hit you or how that's going to pop up. And so finally getting to do rise of the resistance, it did not disappoint. And in fact, it was one of those moments, a lot like, you know, the, the Avengers in game where it's this thing that is like so huge. You're just like, there's, there's such a huge potential for disappointment. So I'm not going to get my hopes up too much. Because so many times in life, these big block out, big, big moments fall flat. Like Wonder Woman 1984 was not good. So not that I thought that was going to be a big moment in my life. But, you know, there's just these moments where things that could be great can fall flat. Rise of the Resistance absolutely delivered on all points. And even though it's not quite a new technology, it's how many different technologies they stitch together to make this perfect sort of journey of what Disney Imagineering has learned over 65 years of entertaining us. And if like me, you ever wondered what was it like to put on your, your nicest dress and your nicest suit and drive down to Anaheim and buy an extra ticket to go see Walt's enchanted Tiki room. Like what was it like to be some of the first people to ever see, you know, Walt Disney, he made this uh, show like a, like a dinner show down at the park. And, uh, you know, there's like birds that talk to you and flowers. What would it have been like to see that for the first time? I mean, I know we've all experienced it for the first time because technically you have to do everything once, you know, for you personally, but what would it be like if that was the newest thing, the newest technology, and you had no sort of idea that animatronics could be a thing because they hadn't been a thing before. Or what about the, the lucky folks that were the first, to just get on that boat and just drift off into Pirates of the Caribbean. There are a couple of attractions at the Disneyland Resort, which are sort of like a generational attraction. And you can see that the Tiki Room is one of those moments where everything before it would not hold up to what it established and then everything after it would be inspired by it. And I put Pirates on that same level because it was the full realization of what can we do with animatronics and keep in mind with pirates, like that attraction was well on to being built. Then the idea came up with, Oh no, 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 no. This needs to be a boat ride. We need to go this way. And so they took all the construction that they had and just wiped it out and started over. And I mean, that that is rare. That is rare to already like dig up the earth, put some concrete in the ground and go, we're changing our plans here. Like insanely rare and shows the perfection of Disneyland. So Rise of the Resistance, I believe, is our generation's moment of, yeah, that just changed the game. 
and what comes after that. You know, I mean, Web Slingers is going to be, you know, a fun arcade type game, a family game. But as far as these marquee attractions, the next time they attempt to make another Pirates, another Haunted Mansion, another Small World, another Jungle Cruise, you know, all of these attractions, Big Thunder Mountain, Space Mountain, Matterhorn, all of these attractions were like a flagship moment of their day. The next time they go and do one of those, they have to beat rides or at least get as close to what they did with them. And if you're a Star Wars fan and I am a Star Wars fan, there's been a lot of disappointment and heartbreak. In fact, it wasn't until Mandalorian showed up that you could finally exhale and go, okay, something good can be made with Star Wars in this new ownership of Disney. Rise of the Resistance keeps that hope alive. So for this attraction to be based off of a, a franchise that has been such a huge part of my entire life, Rise of the Resistance did not disappoint. And looking back on it fondly, being one of the maniacs that showed up at like 1230 in the morning, waited out all night in the rain, like it was such a fun community day at Disneyland. Friends from far away, lots of other content creators there, there with my own squad of good buds. like. It was just such a fun day to be in Disneyland because everywhere you looked was one of your friends that you often don't get to hang out with or see there. So yeah, Rise of the Resistance Day was my absolute best 2020 day at Disneyland and top five days that I ever spent out of the 550 visits that I've taken to the park. Number two, Disneyland is much better with people. What? could be better than Rise of the Resistance? Well, friend, the answer is simple. It's you. So many of us have dreamed of going to a quiet, empty Disneyland. And now I'm not going to argue with you. If they said, hey, we want to invite you down to just walk around the park by yourself, that would be an amazing experience. That would be cool because that would be, hey, you've earned this. You have the ability. We're giving you the right to walk around, to take photos, to do whatever you want. Like that would be amazing because that's a gift given. But right now, being in an empty park, it's not a gift. It's a side effect of what the world is going through. I mean, sure, we all hate the crowds. We all hate the overcrowded days. And we all dreamed of being in the park alone. Well, the monkey Paul showed us under these circumstances, the dream is a nightmare because now when you go to the park, it's only a reminder of how far away we are from reality. Like it feels good to be back in. It feels nice to hear the music when the benches are available. I love sitting on a bench, but Disneyland just doesn't feel like home without you being there. And it's funny out of all the things that used to bother us about the park, you never ever thought, that one day you would miss the crowds. You never thought one day you would miss seeing people all around you because the goal was always to try to figure out the least crowded time to go. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not looking forward to, well, I, okay. I am looking forward to another, like, you know, asses and elbows trip on Main Street USA, but it is so bizarre being there when it's, abandoned by circumstance and not by luck. And when I was there the first week in December for my birthday, after they had shut down all the food and beverage and there was literally no one there, it was, it was bizarre. It was surreal. It was sad. And it made me realize that I miss the people being in Disneyland. And I realized the contact buzz that you get from others having a good time there. I wouldn't regret saying this. I wouldn't regret saying this. Am I recording this? Yeah, dummy, it's a podcast. I miss seeing kids. I miss seeing kids have fun at Disneyland. I miss the sound of them running around, having fun, the laughter. You happy? You happy? Mr. Kids Ruin Disneyland, I miss the kids. There's not as many kids there these days. It's more of an older crowd, which eh, I'm still a believer. 
and in an adults only night at Disneyland. But who would have known that one of the things that irritated you the most would be one of the things that you would miss the most in a pandemic and an empty Disneyland can still be a fun experience, but it is made optimal when I am there with you. And number one, I will never take another minute of being inside of Disneyland for granted. I hope you don't feel like my number one is a cop-out. But I think for all of us, this last year has reminded us just what a prized life that we had in 2019. And as we have now entered into 2021, I think many of us have a mindset of, I've got to work really, really hard to get my life back to something that feels like normal. And there's a lot of obstacles in the way, but I can say this, and I, I've said this before and people have kind of given me attitude because they're just being tough guys. And then I never took it for granted. You took it for granted. Every single one of us, we took it for granted. I don't care what you tell me. You took the park for granted at some point, like either just leaving a little bit early or, or not riding that next ride or not getting that snack or, or just saying, you know, like, let's just not go. We're busy. There's things going on. Like we all took it for granted. It doesn't mean that you didn't love it before. It just meant that it was something that you thought was endless. Disneyland always being open is like McDonald's always being open or Starbucks always being open or like flipping the switch and you'll always have electricity or clicking the faucet and water will come out. Like it was just a constant in all of our lives and we never knew anything different. It had only been closed three unscheduled times in all of our lives and not even in our lives. Like you weren't around when Kennedy was assassinated. So when I say we will not take it for granted is I'm saying there's now a new level of appreciation for Disneyland. And the next time you're there, when it's open and attractions are going and characters are out and families are around having good times. And the next time the park feels alive, I promise you, you will close your eyes. You will breathe it in and you will hold on to that moment. And you will realize then how much you missed it and how much you want to stay inside of that moment of perfection and of being back in a happy place here on planet earth. I love the park. I wasn't raised around it. I've only had it for eight years of my life. And I've gone hard in those eight years. Because for me, I come from a place in America, geographically speaking and economically speaking, where one trip to Disney World was all you got. And if you got that, you were the king of the neighborhood that summer. And people would sit around and go, and then what did you do? And what was that like? And then what did you do? Like, this was not a thing that was ever supposed to be constantly available to me. Like it always felt like going even as a young adult, it felt like you were cheating the world when you got to slip away to a day at Walt Disney world. And when I walked through the gates of Disneyland for the first time, I had no idea that I was walking into something that I would love this much. But every time I ever went there, there was always a part of me that felt like I was getting one over on society. Why people are doing things that they hate, going to jobs they don't enjoy, living in parts of the country that they're only there because that's where their family's from. The little boy from Kentucky is ripping through Adventureland, rolling over to see what the cranes are doing to build Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Like friends, I love the park, and I didn't realize that I ever took it for granted, but if I'm being honest, I dipped out a little early, maybe didn't go this time, maybe said, nah, I'm cool, I don't need to ride that. And now I can assure you, I have a whole new appreciation for what it means to go to Disneyland. So even though I could go whenever I wanted back in the old days of 2019, I will be appreciative for whatever I get in 21. However, it reopens and whatever stages. And if I'm only able to get a reservation on this day or that day, I won't complain. I will appreciate whatever I get because right now the escapism of being on the other side of that tunnel on the right, being inside there, hearing that cap gun go off on the other side of those trees 
hearing that bell from a passing car, maybe a horse hoofs hitting the cobblestone, seeing kids excited to meet Mickey over in front of the great moments of Mr. Lincoln. Seeing the California flag and the American flag blow through the wind in tandem on the flagpole. Working my way around to just look down the street, which seems so far away, at Sleeping Beauty's castle, which will feel bigger than it's ever felt. And there in the middle, seeing Walt and Mickey, the partners in this endeavor, A man who wasn't perfect, but had a perfect idea to make a place where everyone could go and get away and leave all their problems away for a day. Where a family who's maybe on the rocks could all come together and have a good time. Where young love could go even deeper and old love could remember, maybe I don't hold your hand as much as I used to. Friends. Fellow citizens of Disneyland, I may not have a button, but I know I can tell you this. Next time you walk through that tunnel on the right, you'll feel the magic run down the cheek of your face. Because it will feel so good to be back home. And you now know that it's home because you've been away from it long enough to remember what it felt like and not have been reminded of what it's really like. And that remembrance, that reminder of standing in there and closing your eyes and taking it all in, it'll remind you why it's the happiest place on earth and why you love going there so much. So I'm going to cheat now. I'm going to throw in a 21 for year 2021. A toast to you. May we all wear our mask. May we remember our nose as part of our face. May we wash our hands. May we keep a distance. May we not be irresponsible. And may we all get back inside of Disneyland at some point this year. Because friend, I'll tell you right now, the thing that I'm most excited about is I cannot wait to see you inside of Disneyland inside of 2021. May it be much sooner than later, but may it also be when it's safer.